And this is our third time doing it, and it rains every time, but it doesn't stop anybody. It's just really now part of the thing. If it doesn't rain, well, like, then it's not a great time. number of weeks we've been in a collection uh, called uh, Summer Playlist where we've been taking time uh, to go through uh, values uh, at our church and values are, <clears throat> excuse me, are simply principles that we live by and so basically uh, principles are those things or values are those, those things that if you find yourself at a decision point in life and you're trying to figure out how do I navigate through this you can go back to what you value to help you navigate through that and so that's what we do as a church. We have values that, you know, the world is spewing a whole bunch of things at us. We're in our own mind. So let's go back to what we value. So we say Jesus is our message. People are our heart. Unity is our pursuit. Serving is our calling. Joy is our decision. Honor is our choice. Our city is our responsibility. So all these things we go back to, and this is what we value as a church. But uh, today uh, we're going to pause uh, that conversation because if you were here uh, last uh, Sunday, we had a, this moment during the ministry moment uh, where I got to share something that I felt like the Lord had placed on my heart earlier that week in praying. And really just talking about how so many of us are dealing with uh, trauma and anxiety. And because of the trauma and anxiety, trauma are those events in the past uh, that uh, keep us stuck and um, really kind of messes up the, the, the lens in which we view life. Uh, and then there's anxiety, which is fear of the future. And oftentimes those two can be connected, but at whatever rate, we're stuck. And I feel like the Lord is saying it's time for his people to live unstuck, but we're going to have to deal with the trauma and deal with the anxiety. And so I asked the Lord, so how do we do that? And I feel like he said, we have to remain in me. Because there are so many places that we go to to try to overcome the things that we face, but those things are going to end up being empty and not able to fill the void uh, that's there. And so the Lord's like, no, you have to remain in me. Remaining in me uh, gives us the empowerment by his spirit to be able to overcome the things uh, that has traumatized us or to help us overcome uh, when we face trigger moments or deal with anxiety so that we can live the life that he's called us to live because the life that he's called us to live is a life that touches and blesses others. So the Lord doesn't want to do something in us for the sole purpose of us, but he wants to do something in us that will impact others as well. And so that we can be on that mission, we have to figure out this whole uh, trauma and anxiety uh, thing. And we're not going to do that in one conversation uh, today. It's going to take several uh, conversations to kind of really dig at that, but we can start. And so today I wanted to pause from talking about the values to really say, okay, so what does it look like to remain in him? What, what does that look like? Because it's one thing to say it, but then it's another conversation to discuss what does that look like. And so that's what we're going to do uh, today. And I'm going to use John chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 5, to help drive this conversation. And so really quickly, if you've got your copy of God's Word, will you stand with me uh, as we read His Word? If you don't have a copy, it's going to be available uh, here on the screen behind me. But it's John chapter 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> it says this, 
I'm the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Then verse 5, he says, this is Jesus. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Go ahead and be seated. So, thank you, Matthew. The gospel according to John, it introduces us to statements that are called I am statements. I am statements are seven statements that begin with the words I am. And there are statements that were made by Jesus that gives us further insight into understanding his mission and ministry uh, in and to the world. And so these I am statements also link Jesus uh, to, old, to the Old Testament revelation of God. Uh, if you're familiar, in the Old Testament, uh, God reveals his name to Moses as I am who I am. And so God has raised up Moses uh, to be the leader to lead of the children of Israel out of captivity in Egypt. And Moses says, okay, listen, they're going to need a name. What name do I tell them? And God simply says, I am who I am. Now, when you hear the words, I am, it is understood that that's a name for God, in which Jesus made seven of these statements, ultimately identify himself as God. He went on to say, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. And then lastly, what we're going to walk through today, he says in John 15, I am the true vine. Come on, let's pray. Father, we're grateful and thankful for these moments. God, we thank you for this time and space that we have. God, you called us all here today. God, you, or, you ordained this moment, God, from the very beginning of time for us to be here this day, this Sunday, this moment, this service. So what that means is there's something specific that you want to say to us, something that you want to do in us so that you can do something through us. So, Lord, I pray over these next few moments, God, that, Lord, the words I speak are words that are filtered uh, through your spirit, God, so that they can minister to your people. And God, we just thank you that we get to gather in this way. And as your servants here in this room, we say this, speak, Lord, because we're listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Come on, come on. Everybody said? Amen. 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 So we have three kids. We have two boys and one girl. And the boys are close in age. And They've gotten older, but I remember when they were younger, when they were younger, they don't do this as much now, uh, but when they were younger, they would always just copy me, just mimic me, just do everything that I did. And, you know, your, your dad especially, you know, first time, and it's really cool. Like, man, look at my boy. You know, my boy is just doing whatever it is I do, and it, it's cool, and, 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 and it, was, it was all great. Like, I remember one time we were, I was outside. Uh, cutting grass, and we had this toy lawnmower, 
And so uh, one of our boys, I think it was Isaiah, he went and got his toy lawnmower, so he wanted to cut the grass like me. And I just said, well, just hold on, because y'all are going to be doing this for real soon, so, you know, get your practice in. And in fact, recently, I got them both uh, activated in this, but then when they started going zigzag, I said, no, 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 you're not ready. You're not ready. You're not ready. Now, it was the back. I wasn't going to trust them with the front because, you know, every neighborhood, you have to have that competition that's going on. So, you know, the back is fenced, so they won't see that. Uh, But they wanted to mimic everything that I did. If I walked a certain way, they walked that way. If I talked a certain way, they talked that way. If I sat down that way, they would sit down in the same way. It was pretty much I move, they move, just, just like that. Some of you got it, right? They wanted to do what I did. Now, I have this thought that everything preaches, and so when you, when you preach, you just look for stuff that will preach, and this was something, I was like, you know what, this will preach. In fact, in my notes uh, app on my phone, I have a, like, it's labeled that will preach, and I just store it away for later. But I was like, man, there's a story in that. There's something deeper in that, and really what I see in that was because of their proximity to me, they could repeat what I did. They could see what I was doing because they were closer to me compared to if they were off in another room, they couldn't see what I was doing. They couldn't hear what I was saying to be able to repeat that. But because of their proximity, they could. Now, here's another thing about their proximity, also because of their proximity to me, that I could protect them. If there's words that I don't want them to hear, I could cover their ears. If there was some dangerous situation that could impact them, I could protect them from it. If there was something that was coming their way, I could deflect it because of their proximity to me. So here's the thought. What if we remain in proximity to Jesus in the same way that the boys remained in proximity to me? Perhaps when the arrows of life come, we could respond accordingly because we are remaining in him. Are you tracking with me this morning? So for a few moments today, I want to speak from this idea of remaining. Because it's one thing to talk about God to help us with the trauma, to help us with our past, to help us with where we are today and the anxiety that we feel about tomorrow. Is The answer is to remain. But how do we do that. And so we're going to make some observations. But before we make those observations on the benefits of remaining in Christ, I want to make sure that we see the value of it. Because I don't want to assume in here that just because we say there's a benefit to remaining, that we all see the value of it. But hear me this morning, there's absolute value when we choose to remain in Christ. And I think we need this understanding so that we can remain in the right way and live life the way that God has called us to live, because there's always this tension of the way of the world, the way of culture, and the way of Jesus. So culture tells us to be constantly looking for the next thing. I mean, if you kind of peel back a little bit, it's screaming at us, what is next? What's the next thing? Culture says, look for the next job, look for the next house, plan the next vacation, or dare I say this, even the next spouse just constantly looking for the next. But can I say this this morning, that the best move isn't your next move, but it's your current move. So we often say you have heard better make your next move your best move. 
But what if the best move isn't what you can do next, but is what you can do now? That is what you can do currently. Here's what I mean by that. How can you be faithful to your current job? Are you saying you're against promotions? No, not at all. But sometimes we will find ourselves doing something because it's the trend, doing something because it's popular, doing something because it looked good. But we have never asked the Lord, have you called me to go to that next thing? Because perhaps the thing that we are believing for and we want to see in a career, in a job, is found right where we are. But because we have washed our lives through the lens of culture, we're saying, no, I have to go to the next thing. Then we get to the next thing, and it's terrible. And then we ask God to bless it, and he says, but I never called you to it. Because you didn't have the capacity for that, but you had the capacity where I had you. So your best move perhaps is to be current. And then remember, we are here on assignment. So God has given us a purpose. And could it be that your assignment is attached to where you are employed? Some of y'all are like, mm-mm, that is the wrong assignment. Uh-uh, that was meant for Shelly, not for me. Not for me. He got the papers mixed up. But just maybe. Right? It's attached. Your assignment is attached to that job that the Lord placed you in that office because somebody is going to encounter something and they need your faith to help them see them through it just for that purpose. And once it's finished, God says, now it's on to the next. But what if you move too soon? What if you go too soon? Here's, here's how I feel like as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should look at life in moments. They are opportunities to connect with God and us being used in what he wants to do. God has a plan. He has a purpose. And what purpose for us is, is the opportunity to connect with what he's going to do, right? So I even look at it when uh, Jesus is walking on water and Peter sees him and they thought it was a ghost. They were afraid. And Peter was like, okay, if it's you, then call me out. Now, that was a blanket statement in the sense of like, like call anybody out, even though Peter was kind of being the voice to say, then, then call us out. Because when Jesus responded, he didn't say, Peter, come. He just simply said, come. So the invitation was open to all, but only one responded. And so what's happened is the Lord said, I'm going to do this in the earth. I'm giving you all an opportunity to connect with it, and that is what is called purpose, right? We're trying to find our calling. We try to find our purpose in life. It's to know him, and it's to make him known. What if the way you make him known is the way you pray with that coworker who was dealing with this life-changing situation? And you're able to see them trust God, see God show up in their life, and now it impacts their home. It impacts their marriage. It impacts their, their kids, ultimately spreading out outside of their home to their extended family, to those that, are, that they are connected to. All because you chose to be obedient and faithful to remain and simply pray with someone for 45 seconds, we see a whole entire family change. But you only, we only get that perspective when we're like, this is where God has me, so I'm going to make my current move the next move. What about being faithful to the marriage? Culture says, they ain't working out. Go get you another. You can drive around the city. They got billboards. Need a divorce real quick? Call 1-800, you know, whatever. It's a thing. 
because that's what culture says. It didn't work out. I saw something the other day I follow on social media that says, yo, when you get married, protect your assets. Now, this is a whole nother conversation. But I'm like, huh? How are you even going into this thing? You're already looking for the way out. But that's another conversation. We're going to get that. But it's this idea of what, uh, to the point. That's what culture says. Go ahead and look for the way out because, you know, she's going to take your money. He's going to take your money. And so what happens, we never give what we need to give to the marriage. And so then we, we show up and we're talking to the fellas like, yo, man, she don't do nothing. She don't cook. She don't clean. Like, none of that. She don't, she don't do nothing. And then she over here talking to the ladies and was like, I can't stand him. He'll never do this. He'll never do that. Can't fix nothing around the house or nothing. I always got to call somebody else to fix it. But what's happening is they have allowed culture to into the marriage to then set the tone of the marriage. When instead, if he would just love his wife the way that she needs to be loved, if, she, if he would just be quiet and not try to fix the situation, but just listen to her to to. Show her that, hey, I am with you. I'm not trying to fix this thing, but I'm here to listen to what you're walking through. And then if she would just affirm him, thank you for how you take out the trash. Thank you for cleaning out the car. Thank you for how you cut the grass. And realize that the thing that you need is right where you currently are. You don't need the next thing. What about if we could be content in our house? You don't need that zip code. You don't need that extra square footage. Because guess what? More square footage, more bills, bigger house, bigger bills. The utilities hit different when you cross that threshold. You trying to get that new threshold, you don't even need it. And guess what? Those empty rooms that nobody's in, they collect dust. You wonder why your allergies messed up. <laughs> then your knees bad. You don't want to go upstairs to vacuum. You should just stay where you already were. You didn't need the bigger house because sometimes we do it, and guess what? They don't even care that you got a bigger house because then if you get the bigger house, they're going to say, yeah, but it wasn't custom. You know what I mean? <laughs> so sometimes, like, we make decisions subconsciously. No, I'm not doing this for them. I'm doing this for us, girl. I'm going to set us up, you know, equity. <laughs> and it's like, no. You did that to be impressive, and you posted, you know, God did, and then God going to be like, how you going to pay them bills? You know what I'm saying? Like, he's like, I didn't do that, because now you about to be stressed out. You about to be in debt. You're going to be like, I can't go to church. I got to pick up an extra shift now. So that thing is taking you away from me. He's like, I did not do that. Don't lie on my name. I didn't do that. So it's not about the best move is what I can do next. But where can you stay where you are? How can we stay where we are currently? How can we remain and watch God do something in us? Because what if we had the mindset that, you know what, we're going to see it through? You know, talking about marriage, we see people who have been married in a healthy marriage for 50, 60 years. It's not healthy just because they simply said we married and that's it. It took work. It took conversations. It took trying to figure out some hard things, dealing with some difficult moments. But because they made a commitment that says, I'm going to see it through, here they are 60 years later, and they have the same love from the moment when they said, I do to each other, seeing it through. You know, we're all looking for and desiring breakthrough in different places and areas in our lives. But listen, breakthrough isn't always about what you'll get to next, but rather what 
you are willing to persevere through now, right? Sometimes we think breakthrough is this thing where just because we thought it, the walls came down. Listen, sometimes it's going to take running through that wall head on with the power of God uh, uh, empowering you to get through it. Sometimes we got to persevere. We got to push through. You know, there's this saying that says, practice makes perfect. So we, we need to understand we need to remain in the correct way. And so what I'm saying is sometimes people say practice make perfect, but I don't believe that practice makes perfect because you can just practice something the wrong way for so long. You can have a bad habit so long that eventually you become efficient at it. But eventually that efficiency is going to diminish, right? I don't know if you play basketball. You ever seen somebody with, with the broke jumper, right? Just they shoot that thing from here or maybe the quarterback with like, where are you throwing that from? Like, that's Patrick Nohomes. Like, that's, that's not it. Because then what happens when the pressure comes, like when the spotlight gets on it, when the pressure comes, because that form is off, the efficiency goes, it drops. So we're going to remain, we got to remain the right way. we got to understand what that looks like, not just our perception of it, just not what we think it looks like, but we got to remain the right way. Why? Because the enemy who used every scheme and every tactic to knock us off, he wants us distracted. He wants us to quit. He wants us to give up. And I saw that happen to so many people the moment the pandemic hit and, and all of the other social issues and everything else that occurred in our country, in our world for that matter. And so the enemy is like, I got you right where I wanted you. And I saw many uh, Christians, many believers who were strong in their faith at one point begin to walk away from the church. And I thought about that. I said, what? Why? Why was that? Because we had to check our foundation. We had to check what were we grounded in? What were we rooted in? Right? Because what we were going through wasn't new. It was new to us, but it wasn't new to people and believers in, in history, in historic times. There's always been these major moments all throughout history. And speaking from a Christian perspective, I even think about uh, the early followers of Jesus, that the persecution that they were under, the things that they were endured, like Jesus wasn't the only one that was crucified. Understand that, right? All those disciples, you know, John was, was, was in exile, but all those guys, they were martyrs. But yet the faith from then to now, obviously what we're doing right here in this moment, it spread. Why? Because these folks we're rooted. And so my prayer is, Lord, don't help us build a big church, but help us build big people so in their faith so that no matter what happens, they can stay grounded and rooted in their faith. That if it looks different, that doesn't mean God is different. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we can bank on him and trust on him and lean into who he is. It only starts when we choose to remain in him. So here's some observations that we're going to make this morning. First observation is this. Check your source. You got to check your source. He says this in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. You know, a single vine will support numerous branches and ultimately bear, allow it to bear many grapes. The vine is the source of life to those branches. So Jesus is saying, I'm the true vine, so I'm the source of life. 
And you and I, we are the branches, right? And so as we're connected to him, we receive, the vine ensures that the branches receive the nutrients that are necessary to sustain life. But here's a question uh, for us to ask and ponder this morning. What source are we relying on to give us life? Because we can have this idea that it's Jesus, but when it boils down to it, is it really him? Perhaps it's the career, right? Maybe you're a young hotshot and you've climbed the corporate ladder and you're tracking and you're trending and you're, you're way above. You're at a faster pace than anyone else at your age in your company. And, and you're putting so much value and so much effort into that. And really, that is the thing that is giving you life is your career and the trajectory of it. Or maybe you're on the other side of that and you're like, I'm I'm. Mr. Exec, I'm Mrs. Exec. I've, I've climbed here. I've gotten here on my own. I didn't have no handouts. I had nobody supporting me. I ain't had nobody with me. I'm Miss CEO. I'm Mr. CEO. And we found that that is the thing that becomes our identity. We make reservations at the restaurant. We say uh, CEO party of two because that's our source. That's, that's where we find life in. Or maybe it's our finances. Oh, listen, I done navigated the stock market well, Bitcoin, that coin. I'm on to this next AI market now. I'm about to corner the market. I smartened up, opened the market up, all these things, right? I've secured my nest egg. I'm retiring at 40. I'm going off and I'm on vacation. So our source and our identity is in our finances. Or maybe it's in our looks. We like, ooh, girl, I know I'm a bad one. <laughs> they all, they all, I can't even walk. <laughs> the fellas be like, I know she's seen, I've been in the gym. You know, phase whatever three, they got that open part. I be seeing you driving by trying to see my pull-ups. <laughs> Is it in our marriage? Maybe you thought you would never be married, then you got married, so that's been the source of life. That's been the thing that's given you identity. But listen, none of these areas are bad things. They're not at all, right? In fact, I pray that your career is blessed. I pray that God gives you favor. I pray that God opens doors like just in crazy ways. I pray your finances are blessed. I pray that it gives you a chance at at legacy, at heritage, to to leave things to your family beyond and beyond you. Now, your looks, listen, they they all going to fade for us, so I got nothing for us there. And and marriage, yeah, of course, we're for it. We know it's instituted by God, so I'm for that. So none of these areas are bad things, but... They can be bad if we depend on these areas to be the source of what gives us life. Because here's why. If we do that, we're setting ourselves up for more trauma and more heartache down the road. Why? Because all these areas are going to fail us. They're going to pick someone else to be VP. Right? There's going to be some financial risk that we took that this time it didn't work out and we lost it all. As I alluded to, it looks with fate. Your marriage, there will be difficult moments and things that you're going to have to work through to overcome. So you know where we should put 
our source, who should be the source of life, is in Jesus. I alluded to it a moment ago, Hebrews 13, 8. It says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So listen, family, do not put your trust, your hope, your faith in these areas that will fail you, that will miss the mark and let you down. But put your faith and your confidence in the one who is consistent, who, the one who is the same, who does not change, the one who loves you on your worst day just as well as on your best day. Or let me say it like this, the one who loves you on your best day and also on your worst day, who loves you in that moment where you feel guilt, in that moment where you feel shame, in that moment where you're asking yourself, how did I allow myself to get here again? He still loves you. The moment you disappoint others, they walk away. But he is the one that's saying there's no place that you can go that I'm not going to be there. If you make your bed in hell, guess what? I'm there. You can't escape my presence. And it's not this idea that we can't escape his presence because he wants to bring shame on us. It's so that he can redeem us. It's so that he can remind us of who we are, that we are called, that we are chosen. Remind us that we are image bearers, bearers of him. Let's put our confidence in him. Let him be our source. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, he is saying, I'm the true source of living. And there is no other source of living that exists that will give us truly what we need. We may think it's in all those other places, but listen, it's not. That's how you can find these people who have seemingly achieved the highest levels of success, but yet will take their own life. Because it was those things that gave them life, but then it was those very things that took their life. Because it's only Jesus who can fulfill us. He says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I came so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Come on. I think that's a place right there to give the Lord some praise that he came so that we can have life. So listen, church, overcoming the schemes of the enemy starts with living with Jesus as the source of life. But here's the second observation. It's this. we got to let it go. we got to let it go. You know, our daughter, she's discovered that old uh, frozen girl. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Elsa. She's discovered her. And uh, I, I was really trying to hold that off as long as we could. But daycare, they don't support you at all. And so uh, she found out about it. And so she said, I want to watch Elsa. So we put on Elsa. And every time she says it, we go, oh, Lord, here we go. Because she be sitting there on the couch, let it go, let it go. Like she hit that little thing. I was like, listen to this girl trying to sing. Man, she got a daddy's voice. <laughs> Before that. <laughs> hold on, hold on now, hold on. <laughs> but there's something in there. It's what James, excuse me, John 15, 2 is telling us. Jesus, said, Jesus is alluding to this. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. In other words, there are some things we got to let go. And right here, Jesus distinguishes the two kinds of pruning. So he points out cutting back branches so that growth can happen. But then he also points out branches that bear no fruit and need to be cut off at the trunk, not only because they are worthless, but also so that they don't infect the healthy branches. So what does this mean? For you and I, like, what do we take from that? You know, sometimes we pray those prayers. 
Like, Lord, enlarge my territory. I got, Lord, give me favor everywhere I place my feet. Come on, don't act like you ain't never prayed them prayers too. Enlarge my tent pegs. Expand them, Lord. This is my territory. (laughs) What's that? I should remember this. I asked this first service, the Maverick City song. I want to be refined by fire. Tried by fire. I want to be tried by fire. We don't know what we're singing. I want to be tried by fire, purified. Do you know what you're singing? Are you sure you want to be tried by fire? So do you know what the Lord does? I got you. James shows us, James 1, 2 through 4. He says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, and we're like, Lord, 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 hold on. I didn't ask for this. He said, you sat there and said, I want to be tried by. Yes, you did. So I said, okay, so now what you need to do is consider it pure joy. But listen, we really do. Why? Because the testing of our faith produces perseverance. And how do we know that we have faith until it's tested? How do we know that we've grown until the moment comes for us to exercise that faith? It's like if we spend time in the gym and we're lifting the tens and we're lifting the tens and we're curling the tens, but yet we're, then we go and we try to, to, to play some football and man up against somebody else and we go all the way back to the ground. Like, I thought I was strong. No, you've been hanging with the tens. So guess what? You got to go back and then you pick up the 25s. And then you go next time, and they still run over you, but you're a little bit stronger. It took them longer. But then you go back, and you get the 35s, and you're curling them bad boys, and next time you're able to hold your ground. Why? Because your faith had to be tested. Your strength had to be tested. In the same way, faith is a muscle, and it only grows when it's tested. So listen, the next time you find yourself, which is all the time because that's life, at a moment that requires faith, don't retreat, but says, Lord, I consider this pure joy because I know that you're producing something in me. You're developing something in me. I'm not going to shrink back, but I'm going to step up to this moment, not because of who I am, but because of the power of your Holy Spirit that dwells in me. So what you got next? Because I'm ready to do it. What you put in front of me next? Because I'm ready to do it. That's what happens when we say, okay, I'm going to sing that song and I'm going to live it up to the moment when it comes. That's how growth happens. And now, There's something that God puts in front of you that requires, like, big, big faith. Like, faith for real, for real. But you're ready. You know why? Because you stand back over here, and you're like, oh, I remember that, and then we overcame that. But then I also remember that, and then we overcame that. Oh, but then there was that thing, but then we overcame that thing. So it's this realization that the Lord really does take us from glory to glory to glory. But the difficult part is the two. The two is when you're trying to curl the weights. The glory is when you realize you got stronger because you curled the weight. But you never get to the glory if you decide to give up in the two. So don't give up in the two. But push through to the glory and then look back and see what God has done. And here's what I love to bring home is that people will look at your life and they will see what you had to go through. See what you believed through. See what you have faith for. And they will say... If God did it in your life, then I know he can do it 
and, my, and mine. And it doesn't become a testimony about how good, how smart, and how intelligent you were. But it becomes a testimony of how good, how awesome, how amazing God is. And we get to point to him and give him the glory. Come on. So don't give up in the uh-oh moments of life. Those are growth moments. They're not uh-oh moments. The Lord is growing us. And know this, sometimes the opposition you face is an indicator that you're living in the will of the Lord. So the enemy's going to lie to you and say, this is hard because you're outside of his will. But it's not. You're in his will. That's why it's difficult. But the Lord is growing. He's growing us. He's growing you. He's developing you. And he's preparing you for that moment. Because sometimes we have to ask the question, if there's no opposition in the way that we're walking, are we walking with the Lord or are we walking with the enemy? And so that becomes a question we have to answer. Now, I'm not saying all opposition that we face is him. Sometimes it is when we step out on our own. But here's the thing. God is not going to say, you did that on your own, so figure it out on your own. His grace comes in to swoop us right on up and align us back to his will. But there's two types of pruning. One is that pruning that's cut back to promote growth and pruning that needs to happen to remove those areas that no longer promote growth and ultimately can infect the branches. In other words, they need to be completely cut off. So here's a question for us. Why do we fight so hard to keep what God is trying to cut off? Why do we fight so hard to keep what God is trying to cut off? One of those things that we try to keep, relationships. No, God is saying you got to let that go. But you don't understand. I've been with him for eight years now, Lord. Eight is the number of new beginnings. We starting over. He right for me. Mm -mm. Most of your trauma, most of your anxiety, the depression, the things that you've gone through, you trace it back to him. And you fought for it because it seemed right. You fought for it because it looked right. You fought for it because perhaps you got into some things and now it seems like because of what y'all got into that it needs to be right. But the Lord is saying, no, that thing is the thing while you have the headaches. That thing is the thing while you're facing anxiety. That thing is the thing that becomes the issue. Also, you, you brought her home. She met the family. And you think that, that she's the one. But you haven't noticed she never really wants to spend time with you. Have you noticed that she really don't, haven't really introduced you, her to her friends for real, for real? Only her co-workers, but those are work friends, not her real friends. What, what is with that? Is she, is she really into you, right? And so what happens is we try to hold on to these things. And he's like, I'm, I'm trying, because we'll pray these prayers. Then the Lord will be doing it. But then we're working against him because we're fighting to keep it. And he's saying, we just back up and take your hands off and let me do this. You pray this, and it is something that needs to happen. And we ignore, we ignore all the signals. We ignore all the details because of optics. The Lord don't care about optics. He cares about the health of your soul. Is your soul healthy? Is this thing taking you away from him? Or is it something that's drawing you to him? And most of the times, it's taking us away from him. So we have to let God cut off those relationships that aren't healthy. Oh, man, but I didn't talk it up. What am I going to tell everybody? Nothing. Nothing, because you don't have to live with everybody, and everybody don't have to be in your mind. 
and everybody don't have to deal with the things that you have to deal with. Don't make decisions because of what other people may think, how other people may feel. Oftentimes we try to impress folks that don't want to be impressed by us. Like going back to the house, you bought the house, they're going to say, well, you ain't got hardwood all throughout it. <laughs> they're going to find something. That's right. So we'll, we actually will go off dating people because, I don't know what I'm talking about. We'll, we'll go off dating people just because of the optics of how it looks. But the Lord is like, that ain't it. And then the person you hadn't even considered is right there the whole time. But it ain't look the part. It ain't look right. It ain't, all right. Got to let them cut off the relationships. <laughs> it's not February, but, you know, we went there. But it's a major part of what holds us back. You can tie a lot of people's trauma and anxiety to relationships. Because then, on the same way, when the right person comes, you can't even see it because the lens you view life through and that moment through is trauma. Nah. She going to do me like the last one. Nah, he ain't going to treat me right either. And the Lord is like, okay, this one. I got to work extra with this one. My gosh. <laughs> like this is trauma. Friendships. What friendships? Listen, you've been running. Y'all, y'all, y'all been boys for so long. But all of your issues go back to when y'all been hanging out since y'all were yay high. You got to let it go. Doesn't mean you don't love them. Doesn't mean you don't care for them. But the proximity has to change. Right? Because you're going to, I'll get to that later. So we got to evaluate friendships and allow the Lord to work those. What habits do we have that are not promoting good decisions for us? In other words, you know every time you stay up late, you end up watching that. You know every time you hang out with them, you end up smoking that. Right? And the Lord's saying, what habits are there that you need to cut off because they're leading you to the wrong decision. We're going to let him cut these habits off. It's this idea of addition by subtraction. Like if you ever play sports, you might hear this, where they say, listen, it's not about what trades we can make. It's not about what player we need to pick up, but it's about who we need to let go. Why? Because that person's not good for the locker room. That person's not good for the environment. So they let that person go. Next thing you know, the morale of the team comes up. Now, if you follow sports, I think Golden State made the wrong decision. It was Draymond. Not, anyway. <laughs> but it's addition by subtraction. So the Lord is saying, I'm trying to add to your life, but what I'm trying to pull out from your life, but you're fighting against me because what I'm cutting off, you're holding on to. And it's this tug of war thing that's happening. And he's saying, if you will let me be God, let me be God, because the peace will come when you let someone else counsel that person, you can't be the Savior. But, Lord, that's my family. Lord, I've been walking with them for a while. I know. But you're about to stop walking with me by trying to keep walking with them. Because now it's affecting your house. It's affecting your home. It's affecting your marriage. When the last time you talked to me? When the last time you got still before me? And it doesn't mean that if you stop walking with them that you've given up on them, you have realized that you weren't the one to save them anyway. But you have to let God be God by saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you with who is yours in the first place. That the joy will come when you choose to let him be God instead of you. And here's the final observation this morning is this. You are not enough, but he is. 
You are not enough, but he is. Listen, we can't, what we often do and make uh, our response to the things that we face, uh, we internalize these things, especially Men, men will internalize the struggles and the things that we deal with because it's this idea that, you know, I can do this. I can walk through this. I can't appear to be weak by letting anyone know that this is my struggle, that this is what I'm going through. And here's the thing. It's not about others, but even about God, as if he doesn't know. Right. But we want to hide this from God so that we don't have to deal with it. But listen, family, when we internalize these struggles, we're delaying God from working in us. And you said, well, can't he just do it anyway? No, listen, the Lord wants this idea of surrender, of saying, okay, God, here I am. I'm laying this down to you, and I'm asking you to have your way. And it's that moment where he comes to work. I had to do this in my own life. Our family, we were living in Dothan, Alabama, and we're uh, in ministry there. And I, I just, it was, it was not what I expected it to be. But not because of it, but because of me and the things that I was holding on to. My wife and I, we had experienced disappointment. We had experienced some hurt. We had things where people said things about us and did things to us and just really misrepresented who we are. And that thing stung and it was tough because it was people that we trusted. And so here I am, we're stepping into a new season and I'm thinking that I left that where it was. But it came on right on the interstate with us. And I didn't recognize it right away, but as we got in and we got settled, I felt it. I felt this inability to embrace the current and where we were. I'm like, why? This should be exciting. This, this, this is an opportunity here. But it was because of past experience and, and moments that didn't go well and hurts that were right. And I'd get on the phone, and I'd talk to friends and tell them how I'm right on how I feel. But it wasn't bringing any healing. It wasn't bringing any change. There was no deliverance that was coming. And then what I had to realize was like, ultimately, if I can't let that go and let the Lord deal with it, it's going to impact where I am right now. Remember that whole assignment thing? I, this was our assignment. We had a responsibility to that city, to those people. And when I was standing before the Lord, and he said, what did you do with that? Well, Lord, I wanted to, but because how those people had treated me in a previous season, you know how it is. I, I really couldn't operate how I wanted to in, in that season that you had me. And then he'll say, I see you. They weren't going to be, they're not going to be there with me. I'm not going to be saved because of them, because of what they said, did. And it's all right, but that's, that's not enough. I knew that. So I had to deal with that. I couldn't internalize it. I couldn't just talk to the people who would agree with me and throw, we throw a, a whole party. I couldn't do that anymore. I had to give it to the Lord. I had to surrender it. And so I remember riding around in my car. And I just start yelling everything that came to mind about how I felt about that situation. And said, Lord, I'm giving it to you. Here's what so-and-so did. Here's what they said. Here's how I felt. Also, you know, I almost got to deal with this with you. 
But I was able to express that instead of internalizing it. And I'm not saying that right there in that moment that it changed and went away, but it began the journey of that to ultimately for those same people that I can pray for, that I have prayed for, that I've asked the Lord to bless them, that I can see them and there's no problems and there's no issues. Why? Because I gave it to the Lord. I had to let God be God. Not so much for them, but for me. Because I, I can't, I'm not, we're not responsible for others, but we're responsible for ourselves. And I wasn't going to have that excuse anymore. And I feel like there are some of us in the room that we've been holding on to things for years that have hurt us, that have marked us from even a child to our teenage years, college years, maybe just last week. But you can feel the effects of it. And I feel like the Lord is saying, this is the point that I need you to get at, to realize that that you're not enough, but I am, to free you, to heal you of that trauma so that you can get out of life of being stuck and get into motion and living the life that I called you to live. But it's going to take something on your part to remain in me. And here's why I look at verse 4. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by yourself. You know why it's been difficult? Because you've been trying to do it on your own. You've been doing it outside of him. But he says, it must remain in the vine. Because neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Why? Because I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the Lord is saying, this moment today, choose to remain in me. 